All right, welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week I'm solo, so I'm going to call in good buddy Jeff Vandermortel, WDH Guide Service. I know Jeff has no problems filling uh, airtime and, and rambling about stuff, and he's on the water all the time, so he's obviously a wealth of knowledge. I'm not exactly positive what the uh, topics at hand are going to be this week because I haven't really talked to Jeff. I haven't talked to Jeff in, I don't know, it's been a while. We've texted back and forth a little bit, but that's about it. And it sounds like he's having a good season based off what I know. Recently, I saw a picture of a couple of big fish that he caught. So that should be interesting. We'll see how that goes. Like I said, solo this week. Brad is off fishing. It's musky season. Unfortunately, we're going to be doing this interview with Jeff a little bit late. But hey, that's cool. It's just, I mean, that's part of the season, right? Everybody's on the water. Everybody's got things to do. Holiday is right around the corner, 4th of July holiday, and so hopefully our listeners are going to get to enjoy the holiday and uh, get out and get on the water and hang out with family and friends, and we hope everybody has a great time with that. I want to make a shout out to all of our customers who have shopped with us this se- this season. We truly thank you all for that. We can't thank you enough for your support of you know both Team Rhino Outdoors and Backlash Podcast, and you know, Musky Mayhem Tackle. I'm sure Brad and Kerry would feel the same way. Like I said, not available this week. Brad will return for the next podcast. We've actually already got that one recorded, so he'll be there for that. For the intro part, I think I'm going to end up wrapping that one up myself. But anyways, if you're looking for gear for your next musky fishing adventure, make sure you check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. I say it every single week. Quite honestly, the shipping department is been working overtime. Uh, if you're looking for hot tail gliders, legend lures, Joe Booker Outdoors, Musky Mayhem Tackle, Musky Frenzy, Spanky Baits. Uh, I missed a bunch. Hog Secrets Tackle. It's been just nonstop. I, I apologize for anybody that's listening, any manufacturer that's listening that we omitted uh, as it's been very busy. We've we've had lots of stuff come in. So if you're looking for new gear, new colors, new options, new baits, you know, make sure you plunk around on our website once in a while because we nothing stays the same for too long. You know, my daughter is the one that's responsible for trying to find room for lots of the stuff in the shop, and she typically gets very angry at me for adding as much stuff as I have. It's like I just can't help myself. Every time we get a new order from somebody, we get new stuff. Speaking of new stuff, it's another one I thought of. Musky Innovations, we added a couple new colors and swimming dogs, so if you're into that, go check them out, www.teamrhinooutdoors.com. And since Brad and or Carrie is not available this week, I'll tell you also check out muskymayhemtackle.com. They are the original big bladed musky flashaboo bucktails. So you can check them out. You can get the complete lineup of musky mayhem tackle, including the new grenade, which you can also get from us, but you can also get it from them if you want them spinning up something special for you. If you got some crazy concoction of a color that you're looking for, certainly visit muskymayhemtackle.com. You know, quite honestly, since Brad's not here, I got nobody to BS back and forth with. We'll make this intro short and sweet, and I'll go dial up Jeff Vandermortel, WDH Guide Service. All right, our guest tonight on this late night evening podcast. This feels like old school style without Brad. It's like 10.35 on a Monday night. Podcast needs to be out on Wednesday. And I was able to wrangle up Jeff Vandermortel. WDH Guide Service. Jeff's been on many times in the past, and he was most recently on in February. And Jeff, let's first off, I want to thank you for coming out. I know you've been running doubles, and I mean, that's why we're doing this so late tonight is because you've been so busy on the water. And then on top of that, let's talk a little bit about your Muskie Academy that we talked about in February. 
Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Happy to do it. And uh, yeah, like you said, been running a lot of doubles here. I mean, walleye trips mixed in there, a lot of musky trips. And it's been a great season so far. We've bought a lot of fish. I think we're sitting somewhere around 46 or 45 fish in the boat for the year so far. A couple nice ones and uh, good quality numbers. You know, six or seven first muskies, a couple personal bests in there. And uh, overall, really a successful season, you know, on, on paper there. And we've only had so far two days where we didn't boat a muskie. A couple of trips, you know, is maybe you don't boat one in the half day, but you put two in the boat on a full day or something like that. But, you know, net, net, um, it's been a good season uh, for us so far. Uh, and then the Muskie Academy thing, yeah, that's been going well, too. Um, but really neat to see the people signing up and in the members only group there we you know we swap a lot of information and reports and answer any questions in there and uh, to see the people you know putting it into use and saying hey man look i was doing this chapter and i looked at your weekly report on the on what the fish are up to went out this weekend and crushed some skulls i mean it makes you feel great you know see people succeeding and uh and being able to help them put more fish in the boat so yeah it's been really great so let's talk a little bit about this season you said that you've only had two days so far this this season where you haven't put a muskie in the net. We're you know probably running at about thirty trips or so, or thirty days or so. What's been the secret? <coughs> I guess I would say it's been moon fairs related, or is it? I mean, how are the windows? Let's talk about that. You know, we've had a lot of off period fish mixed in, but of course your windows are going to be key. You know, today was a really tough day, um, as most would expect. I mean, we did get a couple bites. We put a I think a thirty nine and three quarter in the boat, which was the first muskie. We did have a a really nice fish up that was we did boat a 51 the other day we'll talk about that a little bit later or whatever but we did have one up today that was i don't say it's hard time to say it was 50 but it was all a 48 49 extremely beefy fish it came around in the eight really nicely um but you know first time musky anglers two two first time musky anglers today uh on that trip and man he just it was right there he just it just kind of he just kind of what, what do i do you know he was right there he did it he did a good job the fish just didn't didn't commit and didn't eat so there were still some big fish moving even though today we had you know, clear blue skies, not a, not a, not a, not a trace of clouds. And, uh, we're about as post frontal as you can get, you know, I've talked about before with the, you know, the cold fronts up in Northern Wisconsin, especially after an extended warming period, it's usually a really good time to be in the water versus what you kind of hear from, uh, you know, a lot of the comment, Oh, cold front is bad. It's really just couldn't be any further from the truth many times, even in the extreme dump and air temp like we had here. But the day after everything kind of settles down, you get that blue skies can be some of the toughest bites of the year, but you grind it out, you find your fish and, and stay on top of fish and, and you're going to get, you're going to get a nibble or two. But anyway, to your question about the windows, they've been tight as far as like anything moon related in that. And you definitely want to be in the water for those. I and mean, that's kind of a given for sure. I think we've, we've established that that day cloud window at mid mid morning, late morning uh, arrival has been pretty good for us, especially when the weather was really stable. Uh, that was really productive earlier in the year, right as the right as the weather kind of gets going for the day, the wind kicks up, clouds show up, everything gets going, and those fish were activating those midday windows were really good. Uh, and now lately here it's been, we had some turbulent weather come through. We've had a lot of off-period fish, though. Like I said, just kind of finding that right hungry fish. A lot of action, a lot of follows, a lot of short strikes. We've lost a really good number of big fish this year, probably more so than normal, but that is kind of a hard thing to say, to more than normal, I guess it's... uh. It's so situational dependent, right? A fish just gets a bad piece of the bait or, or uh, it hits a customer at the wrong time when they're, you know, just changing directions on a, on a retrieve or something crazy. You know, it's just it's so dependent. But we've been on the big fish. They've been eating. Like I said, we've been putting fish in the boat. So all in all, you can't catch them on the couch. So long days have paid off. But staying out there, staying with it. And, and that's really that war of attrition mentality has really, really been the key, I guess. So let's talk about long days. You know, it's uh, like I said, it's like ten thirty-five when we started this podcast. What's uh, what's your typical day like for for people that are just wondering? Because 
you know, everybody wants to be a musky fishing guide, and sometimes I don't think they realize the dedication it takes to this craft. Yeah, and, you know, on top of that, you got to find something to do with the other, you know, 180 days that aren't open water, right? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, uh, I, a typical day right now, June, the days are nice and long, so I run a lot of doubles in June. I'll try to run doubles most days of the month. For June, I'll run, typically meet my guys at 6.30 or 7 in the morning, fish till either 3 or 3.30, respectively. Uh, and then meet my next group at 4.30 and fish until dark. That's my typical day in June. Uh, some of those are walleye trips for the half days, or sometimes I'll mix in a walleye and muskie on those full-day trips. Uh, and uh, But it's mostly muskie. Uh, I've run probably half dozen walleye trips in June here, just kind of mixed in some of them. Or, or long-time customers that have been coming with me for a long time. It's, i got a hard time saying no to people. You know, Of course, they've been with me six, seven years. They've always had either you know, that second Thursday of June is their annual walleye trip or what have you. And I always enjoy you know, you become friends with people and, and it's just a lot of fun to mix it up too because our walleye fishing this year has been absolutely spectacular. We have had some tremendous walleye fishing all year here. We got a, a 30 and a half is the biggest one we got this year and we've had a lot of those 27, 28s, a couple, couple of in the one or two in the 29 inch range too. And, uh, we've, and we've had just a tremendous amount of eaters in that 15 to 19 inch size range too. So it's been a great year on that. And again, it kind of keeps you fresh, right? You're, you just spend all this time musky fishing and it really lends itself well to basically walleye scouting, especially this time of year as those fish are using those emerging weeds. Um, so, you know, any, at any given time, this time of year after, you know, musky fishing, assuming you're on a lake with a decent walleye population, I mean, you know, I've got three, four five pods of walleyes I'd like to get back to. And, you know, when you get that walleye trip that comes up, it's fun to go back and beat on those fish and, and mix it up a little bit, you know? What do you attribute the fishing, the walleye fishing to this year? I mean, you said it's so great. I mean, what's different from this year to last year, or was it just as good last year? You know, last year was phenomenal too. Uh, but this year, I don't know. I think a lot of it's just, you know, every year you get a little better. You spend more and more time doing it and expand your range of lakes. I really try to keep pushing to always go to new lakes and keep keep moving, not just get stuck in the same old, same old. When you find new patterns, you know, as you, as you break down, especially some of those larger, tougher systems, and you start to find those little nooks and crannies where those fish are. Uh, again, the, all that time spent musky fishing is just time spent scouting for walleyes too. Uh, so if you're able to, you know, kind of catalog and keep that, keep track of that, it really helps. But I mean, all the, the initial boom in the stocking from 2012 has definitely paid some dividends uh, on certain lakes up here where those fish are now at a really nice, keepable size. Just in general, I'm not sure if we just had better survivability in stocking or if it's just, maybe it's just better finding the fish or getting better with electronics or just getting on those patterns more efficiently. A lot of it's bug hatch related and stuff this time of year too. So um, the same way that the bug hatches will pull uh, the walleyes off the, off the weed lines a lot of times, they'll pull the muskies off too, which has been a lot of that going on right now. It's just the more you can get your finger on the pulse in the systems and figure out what all the fish in the system are doing during that, you know, right now would be the, the pre-summer peak time frame. The more, the more, the more you have a, a feel on that pulse, the better off you are for all species. And the walleye slash muskie correlation is, is very strong um, just because a lot of times this year with those bug hatches in particular, uh, they're keying in on a lot of the same stuff. Emerging weeds and bug hatches are my real big patterns this time of year for both species. And so, Jeff, let's talk a little bit about pressure up there in northern Wisconsin. What are you seeing for boat traffic right now? Uh, this year, I would say, is definitely a lot less than the last two years, um, just in general. The weekends have still been busy. There's still definitely people around. Uh, holiday weekends, I'm sure, will be slammed for the 4th of July coming up here. And Memorial Day weekend was definitely busy um, with both on and off the water with folks up here enjoying the Northwoods. But I think you've seen a little tightening of the belt for sure. People cutting down some of the weekend trips. Uh, and I would also, you know, cite just myself for my guide trip dates and as well as just about every guide I've talked to from here, Minnesota, all over the place, just in private with buddies elsewhere and just saying, man, I can't believe how much schedule jo jockeying we've done this year. 
the dates have filled and there's been other people certainly making the calls to come up. Um, but a lot of the people that booked it way in advance are kind of, you know, oh, this came up and we can't make it. And, and that's fine. You know, when you book way in advance, it's something like that's bound to happen, but definitely as much or more, certainly more actually than any year I've ever, since I started guiding, you know, 10, 12 years ago, whatever it's been. And, and everybody else seems to be saying the same thing. But overall, I would say pressure is down. The fishing's been decent. Overall, like, everything's pretty good, though. Like I said, we're coming into summer peak, and the fishing's about to get even better. Got some really good days ahead. Basically, if anglers come up on, say, Monday through Friday or Thursday anyways, they're going to have a pick of the lakes that they want, and there's not going to be very many anglers on the on the water. Um, yeah, I mean, it depends where you go. Any of the more popular places have definitely had a lot of people on them. And I think part of it too is, you know, you've had some big tournaments and stuff at Charlie Baker, the PNTT spring classic, and that's been going on the last couple weekends here, uh, as well as, you know, opener, a lot of folks, you know, migrated over the green Bay area and tried in the tributaries there for the, the opener in the week or 10 days after that, there was a lot of people that I know that were going there versus here. So it, it's a little bit of everything. And, uh, you know, as you come into this 4th of July here, there's going to be a lot more folks coming up, but the, the one thing that's been down a lot, which I'm not really sad about is definitely the recreational boat traffic. A lot less ski boats, a lot less jet skis. A lot of those folks, a lot of those shore stations are empty, or some of them, the docks aren't even in the water yet. So there's been a lot less people um, up here doing the recreational thing on, on top of a few less fishermen, which uh, I would say, though, actually the multi-species fishing, there's been quite a few people out. That's been actually pretty prevalent. Um, but the musky pressure has been somewhat mitigated compared to years past, certainly. Well, I mean, that's, that's, I guess, good news. Everybody's staying busy enough and, and the lakes yeah, have, <laughs> you know, less jets, less jet skiers, less pleasure boaters. That's music to musky fishermen's ears. Yeah, absolutely. You know, no complaints on my end. All right. So Jeff, you kind of talked about a little bit in the past and you know, in the, in the beginning there was, uh, recently you put like a 50, what it was it? 51, 52. Why don't you tell the story of this? I mean, Let's be real. Yeah, it was a neat fish. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a fifty one, and um, it was caught by a customer of mine, uh, Theron Jacobson, and uh, he fished with me last year. He caught his third career muskie last year. And he's a good fisherman. He just he, he doesn't get a ton of time in the water, but like the time he's been out, I mean, I can tell he you know he's, he's productive in terms of like he fishes well and stuff. He just you know those racking up those hours and being on the water at the right time, it just doesn't always line up that way. And uh, we were out fishing. We were fishing a lake. I, I did see a big fish on the spot earlier, a couple days prior. Uh, I saw it come in on side image and we saw a little bit of it when it came into the figure eight, but I just did not see a good portion, but I could tell, I could tell it was a very big fish. Uh, I don't know if it was the same fish, but back to that old waypoint where you see big fish, um, going back through this was uh, a prime example. I don't know if it was the same big fish and there's a very good chance that it wasn't actually depending based on the spot. It wasn't main like weed point, nothing, you know, terribly, I mean, nothing like terribly obvious, like a huge weed point, but it's just a little peak in the weeds near, near, uh, it's a good spot. Let's put it that way. Good, good weed spot. And uh, we'd expect to find a fish. And uh, this one just happened to be a really big one. Um, but earlier in the day, we, we thought about leaving, or I thought about even switching lakes. It was just he and I fishing. Then he stuck a really nice, we had some action before that, moved a couple fish. And then it was off period and he stuck a really nice male, about a 41 inch. It looked like a topped out male, you know, big monster head on it, cropped up, damaged up fins. Looked like it'd been, you know, in a couple fight nets perhaps, or in a couple landing nets rather. And, uh, you know, looked like it'd been through the spawn a bunch, just a battle axe of a fish, you know, been around a long time. It looked like, I was like, well, you know, when those adult fish are moving like that, and it was a nice fish. It was off period. Anytime you got those kind of things lining up, it's something that I try to stay in the water for. And I was like, well, we'll, we'll grind it out here. I like, I like the conditions. I like that we were having action. I was just thinking I was getting a little grass is greener syndrome and we decided to stick it out. I'm really glad we did. About an hour or two later, he stuck that fish and we did lose two other nice fish. I lost one before he landed the, 
before or right after he landed the 41 and then uh, we lost another one that came in charging at the boat the fish he caught the 51 was on a bulldog and then he had another one come flying into the boat and, and blow up on it in the figure eight and so it looked like a little 40s fish maybe 41 to 43 somewhere in there but it was quality fish nice wide back good looking fish uh, and that was on our second pass back to that spot almost right on the waypoint where that big one was caught so was there anything going on moon phase related or was it just one of those off peak it was it was off peak it was off the the bite itself was an off uh an off period bite it was we were coming into moon i guess it wasn't but it wasn't like you know 20 minutes to moon or something like you would expect um vicious bite sucked it right in crushed the dog she was right in there again couldn't have read the script any better a little protrusion in the weeds little point sticks out from a main lake weed line casting the weed edge some heavy winds doing the best to have good boat control there and he just set the hook he's like i got her and he was fighting it. he did an awesome job actually thumbing it he got to the boat and I had, I, whenever you're in that big wind like that, you want to spot lock if you can, or at least I like to, uh, gives you at least, uh, a one, one known piece of, uh, where your boat's going to be when the wind is ripping at 20 miles an hour. And, uh, that way you just kind of adjust accordingly and then you can walk the fish around the boat if you need to. And as soon as he said he had one, it was way out on the cast by two thirds of the way out on the cast. And I hit spot lock and he fought it up to the boat and we saw it was a good fish. I couldn't tell how big. I just kind of saw a, a little bit of the tail. The glare was terrible and those waves were choppy. It just had bad, bad visibility. And. He kind of, you know, leaned into it a little bit and just disengaged the spool and he let it thumb out just a bit when she made the run. And I mean, he fought it like he'd done it a hundred times. If I'm being honest, he did a really good job for it being a fifth career muskie. Uh, and then he got it up. We got it in the bag and it was, yes, yeah, it, it was in her mouth pretty good, but it was right in the corner of the mouth. The fish was fine, released well. Everything was good. Very, very healthy, very good fish. And, uh, and quite frankly, a lot of our fish this year, everything's been really healthy. These years where we get uh, the good stability and the warm weather through the spawn, these fish come out so clean. I mean, this thing didn't have a mark on it, you know, very, very clean fish. And it's been that way with a lot of our fish, very robust, very healthy, very thick bodied fish uh, for this time of year. And it should only, it really only stay as good or get better in terms of that. So nice when they're all nice and chunky and healthy and, and through the spawn quickly with that nice stable weather we had during this, during the spawn this year. So Jeff, the one thing I've talked about it numerous times on the podcast is Northern Wisconsin tends to get a bad rap for big fish. Seems like more and more you guys are putting more big fish in the net. Is it just something that we just keep hearing about, or is this, or is this a trend? You know, I mean, I, I think it's it's uh, it's been trending up for quite a while as far as our top enders that we we kind of encounter. But uh, I do think that uh, it, it's as good here as it's probably ever been within reason. I mean, there are some lakes that may not be as good as they were. I mean, that's all a relative a relative uh, opinion more than anything, I guess, because you know, you, just the minute you think a lake's not good, somebody drills a big one, or you see a big one out there, and you're like, oh, okay fish for 10 years never saw anything like that like the one we saw today we saw one that was a very big fish kind of actually pretty comparable to like the one you and i saw when we were filming that time where it was like whoa that's way bigger than i've ever seen you know you've seen caught some 47 48s and you see one that's just a just a mega you know like oh okay well i guess you know not an overly large lake you wouldn't you'd think you'd bump into that one at some point not that you fish it every day but you know just those ones that kind of appear out of nowhere and all of a sudden that's that's what you know okay well there is a big queen in here I think overall that the uh, the size up here is is really good. I mean, we've never been a place that kicked out a lot of like 53, 54, 55 inch fish. Um, but the girth on these fish is tremendous. You know, this this last one is a good example that 51 was an incredibly healthy fish. I don't even know if it spawned this year. It looked like it, it just might have retained. It was, the picture is a very modest, very good picture of it. It looks like it's a very, but it's not, you know, it it's it was a very, very thick fish. And again, all the, all, a lot of the fish we've handled this year have been that way. I mean, you're not going to get your 54 or 55 up here, but getting a nice, chunky, really good trophy muskie is a very good possibility up here right now. That's kind of funny. You mentioned that one that we were filming, and I, I think of that one often. Dude, that, thing was, I, dude, that thing was so big. I, 
that one today reminded me of it. We saw that came in hot. It was actually he was throwing a, the one today was actually SRJ or Dusa. I think it was on, I think it was on Dusa. Actually, I think it was on it was on rubber. Yeah, I switched. I just switched him to rubber and it came following. It was like right nose was right in the tails of the Dusa. And he's just kind of walking around the back of the boat on his figure eight. He started figure eight on one side of the boat. He kind of freaked out and the fish was so close. He just starts bringing it around the back of the outboard. He's like, "What do I do?" And I'm like, "Give it a pause. Let him eat it, or so you know, give it a snap, you know, and hang it so he can eat it." And the fish stayed on it really well, especially for a fish that size. Those big ones, they might come in and give you a look, and then they'd be if you basically flip and leave, you know, a lot of times. But it was just, uh, but this thing was there. I wish I could have seen his eyes under his sunglasses. I bet they were the size of golf balls. You know, he was just like, "What do I do?" You know, and it was a monster. It was a good one. And it's good to see fish like that up and moving. So. Tomorrow we got good weather, and this whole week looks like pretty good weather mixed in. So I think there's going to be a lot of big fish caught this week. So, Jeff, I, I hear you talk about bulldogs. I've been hearing you talk about medusas. Not very uncommon presentations for you. Has that been the key bait so far this season, or are you starting to get fish on blades? Um, you know, we've had, we've had some mixed results on blades. We've caught some fish on suics. We've caught SRJs have been a super big producer almost stupid good. Like we, we've had, that's been kind of an automatic bite for us. I mean, just uh that depending on where we're at you know especially fishing those weed patterns those srjs have been good the rubber been really good in that medium and smaller size a little bit of action on some of the bigger stuff too um but a lot of it's been uh more the medium size your mid your smaller toads the mid-sized deuces regular bulldogs um have all had their had their little moment in the sun here overall though it's definitely been a, a split between like medium-sized rubber and the srj uh, a few on stuff like crane baits and middle lip middle baits it's been a, a smattering across the board, certainly, but um, especially the last week or so here, that mid-sized rubber, mid to small-sized rubber, and then um, small blades, uh, and then and then definitely the SRJ. Like jerk baits in general, I'm sure have been good, but dude, that SRJ has been on fire for us. And then again, we did get we did have a window where it switched over to Suix the other day, and that was really encouraging to see because that should only get better as well. So rumor has it for anybody looking for an SRJ that pandemonium tackle is supposed to get us a batch at some point. I would say in July. If you haven't already done so, sign up for a notification on our website. It'll kick out an email. If you do get an email, I suggest you do not wait. Run. Do not walk to the website. Get those ordered up because they've been hot. I know Jeff's been catching fish on them, and I know every batch that we've gotten, they've been gone quickly. So if you're looking for an SRJ, there's a chance in the next month or so, I'm guessing, that we should have some. A lot of the guys in my boat have, you know, fishing me for a lot, a lot of years here. And they're always, man, I got to try to get one of those. I'm, I'm bummed I didn't get one the other, you know, when I had the chance. And yeah, they're asking me. I'm like, I don't know, man. You'll have to talk, to talk to Jeff or talk to Kevin. I'm not sure when the next batch comes. I don't, that I don't know. Your job is to catch fish on them nuts. My job is to catch <laughs> fish on them, yeah. In fact, I broke out one that I had from 2016 the other day and it cracked a nice one about, I think, a 41 it was. And uh, just I had one that color. <clears throat> the other one was down. I had one from, I don't know, it was like a 2018, 20. He's got the years on the bottom of all of them there. I was kind of thinking back. I just couldn't believe it's been that long already. 2016 was one of my first patches of them from Kevin. And, uh, man, caught a lot of fish on those baits. Time flies when you're having fun, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, right? <laughs> or maybe time flies when you're grinding so hard you don't even know what day it is. Well, yeah, between grinding and then getting home and hanging with the kiddos and stuff. You know, three kids at home and working like that. You know how it is. You got a whole... You're in a very similar situation, I would say. Yes, absolutely. There's and it's a, all good. There's a all reason good. why we're doing a podcast, and it's, you know, almost 11 <laughs> o'clock. Because <laughs> we're grinders, man. We get it done. Yep. Get the job done. All right. So, Jeff, recently there was a PMTT, and, you know, by recently I say, you know, a couple days ago, there was a PMTT in Eagle River. And I would say it was slightly controversial because of the fact that, the, from what I understand, I'll keep this, this is all hearsay, 
the winning team basically mopped up the field on Saturday with eight fish in the net. And it was primarily the use of like Garmin LiveScope, I believe it was. I was kind of on the fence about it because I was texting a friend of mine and I'm like, you know, maybe they should think about doing something about that for a tournament. And then, you know, he basically changed my mind like 180 almost instantly. And he said, well, when they fish on Leech Lake, they don't limit what boat you need to fish out of, do they? And I said, well, I, gu I guess you're right. You know, Jeff, without going, yeah, we're not, we're not going to go down that path necessarily because I don't, quite honestly, I think it's a, it's a technology advancement. Anglers either need to, you know, if if they want to compete, basically they need to do it because I'm I'm assuming they weren't the only ones in the tournament that had had that advantage, or or, or technology will say won't necessarily call it an advantage because it's only an advantage if you know how to use it. And there was a right. bunch of anglers that didn't get the job done using that same technology. So, what do you know about the live scope and and what do you you know is it that much of a game changer? Yeah, well, you know the thing is with the tournaments like that. I think I mean. It is what it is. I think when side imaging first came out, I mean, that gave a tremendous advantage over anything where people didn't have that. When GPS first came out, you know, I, it's another one of those advancements. And yes, it's a white year advancement. I think it definitely gives the anglers advantages, especially the guys that are running a bunch of them or whatever. But I think the big thing there was like, yeah, there's a lot of stink put up when, when some guys came in and won it. And, and I get that. But at the same time, it wasn't against the rules. And at the same time, you got to realize about half that field has live scope in their boat as well. I mean, I've seen live scope poles hanging off the boats of several of the people in the top 10 for the last several years. So it's not like they haven't been using it. And, and that's fine. Again, it's a, it's just another tool. I think that, uh, you know, from a tournament standpoint, it's hard to limit something like that. I think the point about the boats is really, you know, I mean, you're out there fishing in your regular 16 foot fishing boat and some dude's got a $120,000 Ranger with six graphs on it and, and everything else. Well, I mean, how is that a fair fight? It really isn't, you know, especially a windy day. Uh, like Sunday, you know, where the window's blowing like crazy and you're, you know, I mean, it, it's, it, it really couldn't have been any, any more rough if you had a small boat. I mean, you wouldn't even last if you didn't have good batteries out there for the five hours that you had a fish, uh, in, in, you know, 20, 30 mile an hour winds. It was brutal. I mean, we were on the water Sunday. I wasn't in the tournament, uh, but, uh, it was, it was rough. So, and again, you know, to your buddy's point about going to Leech Lake, well, you know, is your guy in a 16 and a half foot boat that's fishing the tournament and even close to a playing field as somebody in 621, there's not a chance. Um, when you've got to make long runs on big water like that, there, it, there's, it's not even close to the same. So I think it's all subjective. That's my personal opinion on it. I think, you know, from a tournament standpoint, maybe the one thing they could do is limit the number of live scope or live imaging units on a boat. I think if a guy's going to drop 25 grand and run three, four, five live scopes or whatever crazy deal somebody wants to do, I, I guess that's up to them to fish recreationally that way. But I think for a tournament, maybe there's a, a point where you cut that off and say, hey, one live imaging unit for a boat. But even then, you know, how could you really, you know, you can only have one 10-inch helix then, or instead of having three 10-inch helixes, one for your GPS, one for your down image, and one for your side image, right? So it's a tough call, man. I really think at the end of the day, you'll see more people using it, especially on the tournament scene. At the same time, it really does not make them bite. You know, if you've used it, you understand that your, your side image or anything, if you've seen muskies and casts at them, and they'll just basically sit there or swim away. But if the fish are moving, I think that things kind of lined up perfectly for it out there. Um, with what I was seeing on other lakes, again, I was not on the chain. I was not in the tournament, but from what I saw on the same day, cause we actually, we made the move and we figured it out, but we figured it out a little too late just cause I kind of stuck with what I was doing. We did both a fish and we had some other opportunities, but we didn't, uh, we didn't crush the way we could have on Saturday, uh, because we did encounter some bug hatches on the lakes that, uh, that pulled a bunch of the fish off the weed line. Uh, and they were hatches that were not previously going on. And that's a very good chance that Eagle River chain usually hatches out around now too. 
So there's a good chance a lot of those fish were off the structure, whether it was because of the bugs or because of pressure or just maybe that's where they wanted to be, whatever the case. You had hungry fish in an open environment uh, where they were vulnerable, and you had a team that figured it out and took advantage of it. So, you know, and they did it legally. Like, so I, I guess it is what it is. People can be upset, but, you know, you also had people there being upset because they couldn't take a small boat into a lake that's never been allowed in those tournaments before and, they, and, and other stuff like that. So everybody's always trying to find that edge. It's just a matter of doing it with maybe a little bit of a little bit of courtesy and a little bit of thought put into it. But at the same time in a tournament, nothing's sacred, man. People people cut throats to win and I'm not saying that's what those guys did, but let's put it this way. If it's legal to use and somebody uses it in a tournament and, and or, or any method or any whatever, whether it's a certain lake on the chain that was, Oh, I couldn't get my boat in there, so nobody should fish it, or if it's a, a graph that you just either can't afford or don't want to spend the money on, well, then maybe you don't belong in the tournament, I guess. I mean, that's, I think that's the only fair way to do it because in a tournament, it's love, war, and tournaments, man. It's all, it's all fair as long as it's legal for the tournament. So congrats to those guys on a good win. I mean, they've caught some big fish. They've, they've proven themselves as good anglers elsewhere. So regardless of the thoughts on the technology, I think it is what it is, and we'll see where it goes moving forward, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they definitely put it to use. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And like I said, I can't imagine they were the only ones that had the advantage, you know, had that technology. There's no chance. I mean, half the teams are out there driving around with their live scopes on the second day, from what I heard, after they figured out that these guys were just out there because the fish weren't as shallow as everybody thought they would be. With that weather, it would have made sense that they were. Um, so everybody's out there driving. You could do the same thing or similar, not as effectively, but certainly with side imaging, driving along, find a fish, waypoint it, cast at it, catch it. I mean, I had one of my side images today that I did a waypoint. I'm like, oh, he's right there. Let's make a loop around him. Made a loop around him, and we got him to bite. I mean, whatever. I do that very often, especially with my side image. You see him off to the outside of the boat where you're not looking, and make a cast we've all done it if you have side image you all caught one doing it or at least tried and if you do it daily you you, you get pretty good at that so uh, at the end of the day it is what it is i would also say that i think I've, i actually felt personally the same way about when they legalized trolling for the pmtt um and there were some guys that came out there and and again knowing when those hatches happen out there i know that body water i cut my first muskie out of that body water you know 27 years ago uh, i know what happens out there and i and during those hatches a lot of fish pull off the weed lines and they're vulnerable to an open water approach whether it's casting or trolling and it's one of the reasons i stopped fishing the pmtt if i'm being honest especially at the time i mean i'm not saying i would never do it in the future but i stopped fishing because i didn't want to fish against professional trollers man like when you, and there were guys that came up in that first year or two i mean it has been one casting to the credit of the guys that did it but dude there was guys out there pre-fishing having six seven eight nine fish days pre-fishing i mean that's that's some serious numbers and i'll grant a lot of them were you know 28 to 37 inch fish but dude that wins tournaments and when I heard that and talked to some of those guys at the meeting, I'm like, man, this is, you know, I, 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 you know, we caught two fish casting or, today and those guys drilled eight trolling. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? That's, that's a, that's a big advantage too. And there again, I mean, my boat's not set up for that or it wasn't at the time. And I, it's not something I really do anyway. I don't really troll much, but just in general, I guess I'm speaking, you know, speaking from the standpoint of somebody who fished a lot of tournaments and I see both sides of it, I guess is what I'm saying. But I, I think that, you know, if you're going to be okay with trolling and, people using technology and equipment to drive around and state-of-the-art electronics to let the boat catch the fish when you're trolling. I don't know how you can yell at a guy for, you know, driving around and finding fish and using his arm to cast at it. So I guess it's all fair. It's just, that's just my opinion. Fair enough. At least in a, at least in a tournament setting. Again, I'm not saying whatever people want to do in their spare time, you go right ahead. But to say it's not fair and that that's somehow cheating or whatever. Well, I mean, it's not like the technology is only available to those guys. I mean, if everybody's going to do it, they're going to do it, I guess. But, it definitely takes away from the sport a little, I will say that. Yeah, well, that was my my next question, off the tournament topic side of it. So some of the advances that have made in electronics, do you feel those are good for the future of the sport? It's hard to say what's good and what's not. I mean, 
if it gets people to catch more fish and it gets them hooked on the sport and they spend more money on you know fishing gear tackle being more involved in promoting the resource and and the positive side of things that we can all use more anglers in the ranks well i don't see that as negative if it becomes a day of oh well we used to be on the water every day enjoying watching for a fish to follow and now all we do is stare at a screen worse than we do when we're sitting at home staring at our phones or computers or whatever um, i mean that's i think that's a net net that's a loss right i think it's a, it's a fine line i think it's going to help people catch more fish but if you're if you're really savvy with your technology you do a lot more than drive around and look for fish you, you use it to learn your lake you use it to learn what the other species are doing you use it to learn how the fish are behaving and that's the real the real advancement for the true angler is to use that technology to learn what a fish does when it falls in or, or what a fish is doing or even if even just how they group up if you find fish in open water and you're able, oh well, there's like six seven eight of them out here i just thought it would be one fish on the side image and you make another pass and all of a sudden or live scope or whatever and all of a sudden there's a couple more there and it teaches you a lot about the, your quarry too i guess any any technology uh you know no different than with uh you know flashers or using live scope through the ice for ice fishing and it teaches you about the system it teaches you about the fish and again like on, on the on the strictly recreational side of it i think whoever whatever people want to use to catch their fish is, as long as it's by illegal means i really i really got nothing bad to say about it i guess well you know jeff the one it's it's i don't want to say ironic or whatever that you mentioned the the how much time you're spending looking at a screen for me that's right. the biggest downfall of it is how much time you're spending looking at a screen i have it i very rarely use it it's mostly because like it's another step, right? It's more stuff I need to set up in my boat. It's a lot, especially if you need to fish and maintain boat control and watch that screen and watch your everything. It's a lot to do on your own to fish. It's one thing if you got somebody in the boat dedicated and watching it and doing nothing else, great. But to do it all on your own, it's a lot. I'm not saying people don't do it effectively. They certainly do. But it's if, if you're looking to get out and musky fish and relax and, and, and get away from the stresses of the world, for a couple hours, uh, adding another screen with that's a very demanding use of your time. And I mean, I know I've heard guy, you know, uh, I think it was Matt or somebody else on the podcast, uh, Matt, uh, Seaford or somebody talk about how much work it is to run all these graphs and run all these live scopes, and all the stuff they're doing in Minnesota. It's like, yeah, man, that's exhausting. It sounds terrible. You know, does it there and you know, you're trying to run all that stuff. I mean, I don't know if it was Matt or not, but anyway, whoever was saying that it's, um, you know, it, is that really, you know, what you're trying to accomplish uh, at the end of the day when you're as a musky fisherman going out trying to catch a fish and relax, you know? To each their own, right? Each, no, we, we all at the have same to... time, putting a musky in the boat feels pretty good. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a, however hard you want to work. I mean, I'm, I feel like I work pretty hard at catching fish and anybody else who wants to work hard and catch fish, go ahead. But if you want to go out and relax, yeah, maybe extra, extra couple screens in the boat's probably not the way to do it. Right. Like I said, to each their own. Everybody, every angler's out there searching for something different, right? Yep, absolutely. It just makes you wonder what the next thing is going to be, right? It always does make me wonder how much better right? it like can get. Like, what next? What could possibly happen, you know? I mean, seriously, it's I'm it's afraid insane. to ask, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, the military probably had this technology 40 years ago, right? Or more, right? It's just, you know, <laughs> imagine what if they, they could be capable of. You'd be able to see, count the pores on them, you know what I mean? I mean, at this point, stick around for another year and a half, and, yeah, right. and you're going to see, see what what's next, next right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, because well, they made the they made the advancements in side imaging, and that kept getting better and better and better. And now you have this technology on top of that. It's you know, I'm sure it's, it's only going to escalate. Yeah, yeah, certainly, absolutely. Yep, yep. absolutely. I mean, and, and it's funny because you know people here are all excited and, and and mad about it or whatever. But this has been going on in the bass fishing world for years. I mean, and again, the people have been using it just. It just didn't culminate in the face of everybody the way it did for this tournament, where it's kind of a little bit of a perfect storm. Yes, it was an effective technique. Yes, was it good anglers employing it? Yes, absolutely it was. But also the system 
the system kind of set up and the weather set up and the, you know, the moon was good. Everything was like kind of perfect for the fish to be active and they were out there and vulnerable. And so now it's right in front of everybody's face. Cause it was in a tournament, but I mean, in the bass world and stuff, you got guys that are, if you're not using that, you're, you're in bad shape. I mean, you can tell what size the fish are in the school or whatever the, you know, if you listen to anybody talk about it there, that's, this is not a new conversation. It's just that the musky world is always a little ways behind because it's a smaller world. It's a smaller, smaller community. And we don't have those, you know, $100,000 paycheck plus tournaments that drive and drive and drive people to really, really, really go nuts with stuff. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's just not as big. For sure. All right. Well, let's move on to a different topic, Jeff. So we're, you know, we're just about to 4th of July. It'll be here before you know it. Let's talk about what to expect for, say, the month of July. You know, what are these fish going to be doing for anglers looking to get out? Maybe let's just break it down even less. Let's talk a little bit about just, you know, what, what can anglers expect this coming weekend over the 4th of July holiday? Yeah, right on. Actually, I'm just going to, let me just uh, pull up my weather real quick because I'm not really sure what we're looking at for this upcoming week here. I think it's supposed to cool down. Yeah, no, I, uh, as far as the fish go, I mean, everything's well past the spawn and the weeds are coming up really nicely. All the largest lakes are still, still developing some nice weeds. I mean, the weeds are definitely there, but they're, they're getting up there. But anything small to medium size or relatively moderate depth, the weeds are up to the surface or, or darn close. It'll be there shortly. Uh, looks like our forecast coming up here, some pretty turbulent weather. We've got some really good water temperature spikes uh, as far as like, not, even, not spikes might be the wrong word, but some really good warming trends in the water temperatures, um, which for us is a positive up here for sure. Our water temps right now are holding anywhere in that like 69-ish, 68, 69 on the biggest lakes, uh, or maybe a little lower, uh, depending where you go, and uh, up to... Uh, anywhere in that 74, 75 on some really small stuff midday. Uh, so you've got a, a really good setup weather-wise there. It's always nice when that water starts to get up above that 70-degree mark. It really starts to get those fish excited, especially as that uh, the, the peak in weed growth occurs as we move from this like pre-summer peak into summer peak, which we're on and into on a lot of these lakes. You kind of look for that bluegill spawn to kind of end. That's kind of a good trigger for that. Uh, and that's, uh, that's starting to end on a lot of lakes here uh, right now as we speak. And uh, everything else is done spawning too. So really, we're, we're really moving into that summer peak por- portion of the year where, where life is good, man. The big fish are going to be hungry. Uh, the weeds are going to be developed. They should be in predictable spots, especially in, uh, in stable weather. And your windows should get nice and predictable too because the fish are going to shift to those summer patterns. You know, your deep weed edges, main lake weed points, uh, main lake structure. Uh, depending on the lake, some of your rock bars are going to start getting really good. Uh, we actually did pretty well in rocks the other day. There was a, uh, what was a hatch or something? There was a hatch or something going on, but for whatever reason, uh, a couple of the rock bars, I just happened to be driving along and actually was kind of on our way out. We were putting there on our way back to the landing the night before and uh, waiting for somebody to get their trailer off. And I took a drive down the edge of a rock bar that's kind of adjacent on our way in, just kind of eating up two, three minutes of time while these guys were putting their boiler trailer. And there was a ton of bait stacked in that rock bar. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll check that out check out some rock spots tomorrow because i was going back to the same lake because i moved a bunch of fish and we went back there and we actually uh we did quite well we moved a bunch of fish off of the rocks uh, so that starts stuff is starting to get going to again the presence of bait was key there but uh you know now that that rock by getting the go it's always kind of a sign of summer setting into especially well in a lake with with also plenty of weeds it's not that there's never fish on rocks it's obviously not true but in general look for those summer patterns to take hold the weed growths develop the fish are hungry you know, that, that rubber bite's going to continue to get better. The blade bite should really kick on here pretty quickly. I think this week it'll be really good, uh, just in general. Uh, we've, we've, we've paid the piper, and now it's time to collect on, uh, on catching those muskies. There's a lot of folks that have had a tough year this year, from what I've been hearing, and that's that's totally understandable. I mean, we've, we've done well, but it has not been without effort and without 
some some luck involved too, just in terms of getting those fish to the bag, even when they're short striking. Like I said, people heading out this weekend. Good luck. I think your holiday weekend should be should be tremendous. And uh, and I do put up a weekly report uh, on the Muskie Academy page in the members only group too, uh, for anybody that's uh, looking to get into that too. And you've got a, of course a whole host of videos and stuff to to reference for the whole whole series of the year as it goes and and how things break down by season and by lake type and a bunch of other stuff too. And since you jumped in on their Muskie Academy stuff, Jeff, what's if people want to you know learn more about it? How do they go about checking out Muskie Academy? Uh, the website is Wisconsin, or excuse me, it's www.muskyacademy, musky with a Y, academy.com. Uh, and then you can also, uh, you can find us on Facebook and uh, Instagram as well. Uh, but muskyacademy.com is where you can sign up. And then if you sign up to that, I'll immediately, it's, uh, the members only group is hosted through Facebook. Of course, there's other social media platforms, but Facebook is the most ubiquitous. So that's what we do use for the group. And then you you get an invite. You can friend me person, I'll send you an invite to the uh, or I'll find you rather, but we'll, we'll uh, get you into the members only group there where you have access to all the reports. And man, the, the camaraderie in that group has been pretty cool too, man. Some of the guys have tied in, started fishing together. You're getting reports from Minnesota, Indiana guys that are fishing some tournaments there. And it's really been neat, man. Really, really cool to see people coming together. Somebody asks a question and I, I answer all the questions personally, certainly. Um, but to see, you know, the caliber of angler we've gotten there. I mean, there's a couple of guys in there that fished the PMTT this weekend. One of them caught two fish. I mean, these, there's a couple of fishing guides in there too, and there's there's some, just some really good anglers in there that also answer the questions. It's really neat to, like, just because they're part of the group, they're just trying to help out their fellow angler, and it's it's just kind of that nice. It's kind of a safe space, you know what I mean? You're in a group like that, you don't have to really worry about the public or anything because it's a a smaller group. It's a you know, it's a members only community, and man, it's it's really been tremendous. It's really been a really neat thing to watch, girl. So let's talk a little bit about fishing. Yet, what are we looking at for water temperatures? Because I know we had those very hot days in a row. Things probably pushing up in the what mid to upper seventies, and I would imagine with the weather we've had recently, that's probably got to be what are we looking at seventy two, seventy three, seventy four. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, uh, I guess I got a little sidetracked there. It brings a little mushy after all the time. <laughs> Get a little late, you know. And uh, yeah. sorry, I, I digressed. That happens sometimes. But uh, yeah, no, the water temps in that in that low to mid seventy range. Uh, certainly, we've got highs in the you know upper seventies for the rest of the week here. I would expect anybody coming up for this upcoming weekend. Barring any big change in the forecast, you're going to find your water temps right in that 70 to 75 degree range, depending on how big of a lake you're going to. I mean, 75 sounds high, but on those smaller lakes, that's really not, it's not un- uncommon, certainly for this time of year. But uh, everything's in good shape um, water temperature wise, and, and I don't see any huge temperature spikes in the 10 day forecast as of now. So we should be good to go. Have you been finding any fish eating topwater baits yet, Jeff? It's been, yes, but not top props very much. Um, a little bit of action on the props. We've had some action on Walk the Dogs and Creepers. I threw some hog wobblers, a globe, but not as much on the prop baits as, as uh, the globe did not have any action. But the other baits that I mentioned all have had action in my boat. In fact, we threw double top water tonight at the end. We did not have action tonight at the end on top water. Uh, we did stick one uh, on a jerk bait right before the end of the night or uh, before we started switching to top water. But because we we're going to go through some thick weeds, but a lot of the fish are tucked right in the weeds. It's kind of extreme examples right now. Like the fish are either buried up in the slop, or they're or they're out off the break. It seems like there's not as many fish on those edges. Uh, and again, that's just today. That, that's been changing day to day and lake to lake. Certainly, again, based on those bug hatches and, and what's going on. But I wanted to get up in there. I kind of left it for first dark. It was hoping to pull a big one out of there, but we did not get one um, on the top water. But yeah, top water. It's been going. It hasn't been hot and heavy, but we've also not had a lot of great like you know quote unquote top water days. But a lot of sunny skies, a lot of stable weather, uh, and then when we've had anything with any kind of uh, rainier mix, it's been you know just these epic winds blowing. So 
Um, there's definitely been a few uh, signs of topwater windows opening, uh, but I would look forward to that coming here with this with this weather and some rain and some stuff coming in here, a little bit more of those overcast conditions. I think that stuff's going to fire off in a big way. The water temperatures are right. The time of year is right. Look for that topwater bite to fire up here in the coming days. All right, Jeff. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I don't want to take up too much of your time because, I mean, it is pushing, you know, 11, 15. So. <laughs> All good, man. <laughs> Why don't you talk about if people want to get – get in touch with you for a trip this season do you even have availability yet this year i've got one or two you know half day slots here and there that i could fill and i, I did have just uh i just had one one date for green bay open up the guy had a, a family thing come up and they had to reschedule so but yeah i don't i don't have a lot for this year i do have a couple of guys that uh that help me out and they do a fantastic job too so if you, if you are looking to get out don't be afraid to call me uh you can reach me at 920-639-6286 uh and then also uh you can find me at, at WDH Guide Service on any of the social media platforms. And if you have any questions on the Muskie Academy stuff, I'm happy to answer those as well. You can call that same number, 920-639-6286, or message me on social media, whether at the Muskie Academy page or any of my personal pages. That's just fine. All right, Jeff. Well, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your schedule to talk Muskie fishing with us. I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point in the future. I know that in a pinch, if I'm looking for a guide, I can definitely make sure that I call you and, you, and you're always there willing to help me out for a podcast. And of course you always do a great job. So hey, I appreciate that, Jeff. Anytime, my friend. I hope you have a great, you know, next couple of weeks. I hope your 4th of July holiday is great. I hope you also get to spend some time with, with your family. And, oh yeah. We got off for that. It'll be fun. And I hope that all of our listeners get to get out on the water and they get to enjoy the holiday as well. And we want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast and we'll catch everybody again with a new episode next week, Wednesday.